It was December 20th, 2013, and I was on my way home from being at the office all day, and I was needing one more Christmas gift for my brother-in-law. Since Robert loves Dunkin' Donuts, lives in Canada where he can't get that, I decided that that would be a great Christmas gift. And so I decided I would stop at the original Dunkin' Donuts on Southern Artery in Quincy to get a couple of pounds of coffee that I could wrap up and give him. I was looking forward to Christmas, Christmas Eve, and all the things that go into celebrating that wonderful time of the year. And I was pretty pleased with myself that I had figured out the perfect gift for my brother-in-law. I was anxious to get home because the weather was um, getting worse and worse with rain and snow and very nasty sleet in the um, it building up on the roads. As I left Dunkin' Donuts and took a left to cross over double lane of Southern Artery to head down to my house, suddenly, out of nowhere, this huge muscle truck appeared and broadsided me on the driver's side. Blood was coming out of my ear where I had hit my head on the side window and my shoulder was throbbing. I never saw it coming. I didn't expect it. I wasn't prepared for the pain and for the police and then for the ambulance ride to the emergency room. It could have been so much worse than it was. Yes, my car was totaled and my shoulder still bears the consequences of that accident. But God's amazing grace minimized what could have been a disaster. You see, there are times when we are suddenly confronted with things that throw us a curve, that take our breath away and at times change the course of our lives forever. You and I cannot live life on this earth without facing some of those suddenlies. That's the name of my message this morning, suddenly. Most of you know by now that on February 5th, our dear friend Ozzie Mills faced a suddenly. He was live on a conference call with two business colleagues talking about a business opportunity and sharing with them his own spiritual journey and his passion for Jesus and how his goal was to see that Jesus was taken around the world through that wonderful resource of media. His whole adult life had been focused and, and uh, poured into making media alive for the gospel. While Ozzie was on that call with those two men that day, God reached down and took him home. They, the, it, because it was live, they could see what was happening. He suffered a massive heart attack and slid out of view. The men on the call saw what was happening, and though they were in California, they immediately called 911 because they knew Ozzie's address. God's amazing grace in the midst of this suddenly. Ozzie's youngest son, Alex, had just arrived home that n the night before that from Israel because he had an interview for medical school. And he was asleep in the house 
when the emergency people came banging on the door. Alex shared the rest with me. He said, I ran to my father's office, and the first thing I heard when I got to the door was people praying in tongues. The men on the other hand, on the other end, had stayed on the call, and they were praying in tongues. Again, God's amazing grace. Alex said that, that the moment he looked at his dad laying on the ground and his eyes open, he knew that his dad was gone. He was not present in that earthly tent that had been called his body, but he was already with Jesus. As hard as they tried, the emergency people could not change what God had ordained for Ozzy's life. It was suddenly and it was final. <clears throat> These things shake us to the core. How could this happen? Why? And there are no answers. There are no easy explanations for the whys that come our way in life. Ozzy had not been sick. He was in the prime of his life at age 58. He was excited about his new venture called TV Chaz. Those of you who were here on Sunday, December 23rd, will remember him coming and sharing with us about this new media opportunity and his vision that he had carried for several years in his heart to start this new media. TV Chaz is a brand new generation of opportunity in Christian television. Ozzy shared as he stood here that morning how that word Chaz is a derivative of the Hebrew word Shazon, meaning God's vision for your life. TV Chaz desires to influence believers to discover their Shazon by providing meaningful and target-based, faith-based content delivered at the time that fits their lives and encourages them to let the Holy Spirit direct them in every way. Some of you may have taken the opportunity to look at Ozzy's obituary, and you are probably surprised to read of his incredible accomplishments in his life in the realm of Christian media. Most people never knew all that Ozzy was involved with or had done in his lifetime. And truthfully, even Frank and I did not know the full extent of his accomplishments. We read in the obituary, he was awarded three Emmys. Ten Kelly Awards, two Cable Aces, 15 Angel Awards, three International Communicator Awards, a CBA Impact and Dove Award for his work in media. That's pretty impressive, if you would say with me. Ozzy never, ever talked about these things. He was humble and more interested in getting to know someone rather than impressing anyone with his phenomenal accomplishments and talents. He never spoke ill of anyone, and I have spent a lot of time with Ozzy, so I will say this. He never spoke ill of anyone. He never gossiped about the people he knew, famous people, people that if I called their name, you'd go, whoa, really? He never talked about that. He was a man of enormous faith and energy for anything kingdom-related. 
anyone who knew him said this, he was my friend, and that was true. It wasn't a surface friendship. It was a real friendship, and anyone who knew him was richer for that relationship. Ozzy's passion in life was for people to know Jesus, to come to faith in Christ, and then to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and then let them and let God fulfill his vision for their lives. So why? First and foremost, when you come to a situation like that, you have to be solidly rooted in this truth. God is sovereign. He will do what he wants to do, but he's also absolutely good. He is sovereign and he's good. So how do you and I begin to process the suddenlies of life when they come and they will? A dear one dies suddenly, not at 85 or 95, but at 5 or 15 or 58. A tragic accident happens and suddenly a family is left without a mother or left without a father. You go to work one day, happy and content in your job, and suddenly you are let go. The old word was, you're fired. <laughs> but whatever you call it, suddenly you don't have a job, and you don't have a paycheck that you are depending on to feed your family and to pay the rent. Suddenly, the house catches fire, and you are with, left without a home to live in. Suddenly, a doctor reads your test, and the results indicate your body is filled with cancer, and you have a short time to live. Suddenly, everything has changed. The plans you had made, the dreams that you have carried for so long are shattered. Just yesterday, I got two calls from two different people here in our congregation whose parents had been diagnosed with cancer yesterday, that very day. One a father, one a mother. Suddenly, life has been changed for those two people and those two families. You go to work on a beautiful, sunny September day, and suddenly a plane flies in to your workplace, leaving between 14 and 18,000 people dead. That's more than died at Pearl Harbor. Doesn't count even those that lost their lives at the Pentagon or in the fields of Pennsylvania. You see, nothing prepares us for those terrible suddenlies. But in the middle of the tragedy, God is still present. When the towers are falling, God is at work bringing life and provision. When the death toll is mounting, he is still the light that shines in the darkness. I want to read an interesting portion of scripture to you from Isaiah 30 that occurred on 9-11, when, when that, the events that occurred on 9-11 took place. I was booked to be at a women's retreat in upstate New York. No planes were flying, nothing was moving. And the woman who was running the retreat said to me, you can cancel if you want. I said, no, I'll drive over. I think I still need to be there. And this was the scripture I shared with them. Isaiah 30, beginning with verse 23. He will also send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground. 
and the food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. In that day, your cattle will graze in broad meadows. The oxen and donkeys that work the soil will eat fodder and mash, spread out with fork and shovel. In the day of great slaughter, when the towers fall, streams of water will flow on every high mountain and every lofty hill. The moon will shine like the sun, and the sunlight will be seven times brighter like the light of seven full days when the Lord binds up the bruises of his people and heals the wounds he inflicted. People expect God to prevent all suffering and sorrow, and they charge God in those moments as being someone who is devoid of feeling or even impotent. impotent. They blame God, and they don't realize that you and I are living in an extraordinarily fallen world, and until this world passes away and time is no more, you and I are going to face sorrow and grief and, and tragedy at a moment's notice, all because of sin. Sin always has bitter consequences. You and I suffer as a result of sin, and that's what the cross was all about the cross broke the back of sin because Jesus bore all sin for all time in his own body. I am comforted in my own heart by this description of Jesus that you'll find in Isaiah 53. And I'm going to read it from the King James because I like the way it reads better. Speaking of Jesus, the one who was to come, the suffering servant, the Messiah, he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. When grief and sorrow come to us, we can be comforted by this fact, our heavenly Father knows, and he understands, and he cares, and he sees. When life takes a sudden turn, we have several choices that we can make that will help us to handle the new circumstances in our life and how we face the suddenlies that will come our way will determine how we live life in the future and the new realities that will become our life. First of all, be prepared, suddenlies will come. And how do you prepare for these situations? After all, suddenlies come without warning. I have found in my life that the number one thing is to be so rooted in God that nothing can shake you out of his loving kindness. 
you may be totally shaken, filled with racking pain and sorrow, not even able to get your breath at what has happened. You may not even be able to think or process at that moment when that suddenly comes. Psalm 27 says, when the day of trouble comes, we need to run and hide in his embrace and love. Let me read this verse from Psalm 27, 5. For in the day of trouble, he will keep you. He will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. I want to go back and start it at the beginning of Psalm 27, where it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I am confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And then this verse, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. And so if you and I are dwelling in the presence of the Lord and, and maintaining our relationship with him, even in the place of worship, when trouble comes, we are safe and steadfast in his loving embrace. This particular psalm has great meaning for me over decades of my life because I'll skip down to verse 10 where it says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And in a moment when I was racked with pain and sorrow over the situation with my family and the divorce of my mom and dad and feeling so abandoned and so alone and without anyone who seemingly would understand the torment of my heart. This scripture was pointed out to me by the Holy Spirit through my tears. Though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And I can't tell you how that lifted that brokenness and that load that was surely going to consume me and destroy me. It goes on, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. When false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations, I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. If you and I are living in that atmosphere of the Lord's strength, and when this suddenly comes, we've got a firm foundation that we can stand on and that will keep us. But don't wait until that moment because if you're not doing that now, when the suddenly comes, you have nothing to hang on to. <clears throat> Ozzy's wife, Bonnie, and I, and I said at that memorial service, I represent a place where Ozzy is Bonnie's husband, not, not Bonnie is Ozzy's wife. Most of you know Bonnie and how significantly she's been in my life, but even in our life as she's come over time to help us in the, in the process of planting and a church and then getting this facility. She's now a widow. Her children are without a father. 
But this I know, we were there with them for one week. They are not falling apart, and they have not ceased to function. If you watched that memorial service live streaming, you saw Ozzy and the boys and their, her daughter-in-law get up and speak one by one. And she said to me, Karen, we had to do that. We had to have people, we had to let people say, see that we are strong and we're trusting God for our future. Tears rolled down their faces and grief was overwhelming as we would gather day by day in their home. But in all of it, this one phrase was heard over and over. God is good and he has a plan and he will never abandon us and we will be strong in him and for whatever the future holds. That may sound to many people like denial or fantasy, and the world would say, well, they're not facing reality. They're just in a place of denial right now. But if you want to stand strong in the day of suddenly, you will have to be strong in the God you serve. You cannot be listening to the way the world describes what we need to be acting, how we need to be acting out. Then I find this, that God can be trusted. We can trust God with our lives and our circumstances. Psalm 37, and I'd love to read it, but it's quite a long psalm. And it was interesting because um, in my devotional reading this past week, Psalm 37 was one of those psalms that I was reading. And at our young adult gathering on Friday night, I shared this particular psalm with the young adults who were there. And we had a time of discussing it because you probably are familiar with these words. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the new day sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And so we see these key words, trust, delight, commit, be still. And then it goes on and says, refrain from anger. I see people who get angry in the moment of the suddenly and lash out and want to blame God. And you and I need to be careful as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that we're so rooted and solid in the Lord Jesus Christ that when a suddenly comes, there's not anger rising up. It's only that trust and confidence that he knows my way and he will direct my paths. Verse, 39, verse 39 in Psalm 37 says this, the salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. Isn't that a confident psalm, a, a confident portion of psalms? He's our stronghold. He's our help. He is our firm foundation. He's the high tower that we run into and find shelter. But if you're going to go through the suddenly of life with an assurance and a confidence and strength, you've got to be already filling your heart and mind with the truth of God's word and who God is. If you wait till that moment, it's too late. It'll come, but there'll be such suffering and grief that's unnecessary in the process. The grief and the suffering are there, but it doesn't have to be consuming so that we are undone by it. 
And then I see not only do we have to be assured that those times are going to come, but we can trust God with our lives, but the resurrection allows us to embrace life despite the suddenness. The resurrection allows us to embrace life. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached from Psalm 16 when he said this in Acts chapter 2. For David says concerning him or Jesus, David from Psalm 16 wrote, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoice and my tongue be glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not destroy my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Peter went on in Acts chapter 2 with this, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ. David could write this kind of a statement. He's at my right hand I may, that, that I may not be shaken because David saw the resurrection before it ever occurred. He saw it through the eyes of faith, through the prophetic vision that God gave him, and he took strength from what was to come. I will not be shaken. I'll rejoice and be glad with abundant joy and hope. And you and I are this side of the resurrection. It has taken place. It's a done deal. It's a fact. And because we are this side of the resurrection, you and I can draw strength from the life of Christ that is within everyone who comes to him. Because he lives, we too shall live. Because he lives, we live abundantly and fully, empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit within us keeps us from falling apart. The Holy Spirit within us keeps us and holds us steady when nothing makes sense. And there are times when suddenly's come and nothing makes sense. The Holy Spirit allows us to face these suddenly times that come with his power and keep us strong in the face of evil and death. His promises sustain us with hope and confidence for today and for tomorrow, and for whatever the future may hold. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul who faced one suddenly after another in his life. He suffered more than probably most people would ever suffer in their, life, suffer in their lifetime, and he was not afraid to say the things that he suffered. But he wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, 
not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory for the children of God. Even this planet, this world, is decaying and breaking down. Even what God created in all of its beauty and purity and perfectness uh, is breaking down because of the load of sin. Then he went on, we know that the whole creation's been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Do you feel the weight of that sometimes? People are doing everything they can to reverse the damages that have come as a result of sin over the time of millennia. And you and I see that, and I'm not against we need to be doing, we need to be good stewards of, our cre of the creation. But we can never undo completely the effects of sin. This world is breaking down. It's breaking apart. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know how to even pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes with us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I'm going to read that again. I'm reading this in context because we grab Scripture out of context and then we have no idea the full force of what has been said that we need to get in the whole picture of things. Paul wrote, and we know that in all things, even though everything's breaking down, even though it's, we're groaning in the spirit, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That makes us to see, th see things in a different way, to receive the suddenlies in a different way. God, you are working all things out for my good. He's not saying all things are good. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and those he predestined, he called, and those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. And then listen to this. What then shall we say in response to these things? What then shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? That should have been the scripture. I should have had you put that scripture up there, Nathan. If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. 
Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. When you are attacked, when you are misunderstood, when no one affirms your relationship, your walk with Jesus, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Soak in that! Death is not going to swallow me up. Trouble's not going to swallow me up. Circumstances of life that come my way are not going to swallow us up. In him we are more than conquerors. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. Nothing. Say that with me, will you? Nothing. Say it again. Nothing can separate us from the love of God when we are in Christ Jesus and he is our Lord. Nothing. So my great question to you this morning is, what would happen if you suddenly dropped dead today? No lingering illness that gave you time to prepare. No advanced age that lets you know that this is a coming situation in your life. Suddenly, without warning, in the prime of your life, busy with all of your stuff, a calendar full of dates, of things to do and parties to attend, what would you do? Are you ready? This is not a feel-good message, but it's a real good message because there's coming a day when we will suddenly be confronted with eternity. Either it's going to be through a sudden death or it's going to be through the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming suddenly. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet shall sound and time will be no more. Before I finish this message, he could come. Paul wrote about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 when he said, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we don't need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, 
get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. And then Jesus himself had this warning that's recorded in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus said, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in, mar and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at a hand, at a, with a hand mill. One will be taken. One will be left. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Suddenly, he will come. You see, it's so easy to think we have time. Well, we have got time to repent. I've got time to make it right. I've got time to do what needs to be done. But I want to tell you that today is a day to settle things with God and begin to live your life passionately pursuing the things of God. Like Ozzy, devoted to extending the kingdom by, by fulfilling God's purpose for your life and living out God's vision for you, his shazon for your life. Is that what you're doing? Today, if you hear his voice. Now, this is the part of the service where the pastor is supposed to make you feel comfortable. So you'll come back. And above all else, don't ask for a public declaration of what you'll do with the message that you've heard by asking you to come forward. Oh, that makes people uncomfortable. Truthfully, I am so tired of trying to make people comfortable when they are headed for hell and a Christless eternity. I'm tired of church having to soft pedal the gospel of Jesus so that people may not be offended. The ultimate Offense is unresolved sin in our lives in the face of the cross and what Jesus did for us. Jesus died so that we could be free of sin. Why do you think that we can continue to thumb our nose at God and his holiness by living our lives soaked 
with sin and in a sordid way that does not reflect his glory. God wants us to leave our sin behind and our sinful lifestyles be given up that we may live in a way that pleases him. So I ask again, if you suddenly drop dead this moment, how would you answer for your life? Are you living spirit-empowered or sin-controlled? Get it right now. Let's stand together this morning. I know this is not an easy message. And I know that you understand it comes out of what I have and Frank has experienced with the death of our beloved Ozzie. But with all of that, I kept saying, Lord, what do we need to see in this? What do we need to take away from this? What part of this experience that we have walked through in the last couple of weeks needs to alter and change who I am as a person? I don't understand I don't have an answer for all the whys, but I know God is sovereign and he is good. And I do know that when you are solidly rooted in the things of the Lord and you have the word of life and the Holy Spirit empowering you, you can face whatever suddenly may come. doesn't mean we don't grieve. It doesn't mean that we don't feel pain. doesn't mean that we're not taken off our pins for a few moments. But what it does mean is that we are so solid and rooted in him, we're not going to give up, fall apart, be angry with God. But we're going to say, God, I trust you. You are good. Just close your eyes this morning, will you? I'm absolutely serious about this. We need to make right the things that are out of line in our lives. You and I are too quick to accommodate sin and to accommodate selfishness and to accommodate our own desires. And God wants us to lay aside everything for the sake of following him completely. Lay aside everything for the sake of fulfilling his vision for our life. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, if you need to just come and stand at this altar or kneel at this altar, that you would come and lay aside any offense or any discomfort. You're not going to feel comfortable. Satan will make sure of that. <laughs> but rather you say, I will follow Jesus. And I don't care what anybody else thinks or says. I'm going to do what God wants of me this morning. This phrase kept running through my head over the last couple of weeks. If I drop dead this moment, would there be anything unresolved? If I drop dead this moment, would, I have, would there be regrets? Would there be something that people could look back and say, I'm sorry about this, I wish this, I wish that. It's really rattled me. Not, you know what, you understand when I say rat, not rattled me, but really made me think that we live in such a way that even in a moment's time, even as what happened with Ozzy, 
full of life, full of passion for Jesus, gone. Gone. And in the midst of it, we see the grace of God every step of the way. But we cannot presume upon the grace of God and not do what we need to do. This is serious. This is serious. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't say, I'll think about it and go my way. You may not have more time. And I believe the Holy Spirit is so gracious and kind to us that he wants us to hear exactly what we need to hear, that we can line our lives up with him in the way that pleases him. Lord, I pray this morning for those, Lord, that have come forward, for those, Lord, that have stepped out and been willing to lay aside what others may think or even the discomfort of stepping out publicly. Lord, as we read your word, come follow me, it meant that that person had to leave and follow Jesus. They couldn't hide in a crowd or stay in a place of comfort, but they had to leave and follow. And Lord, I pray for each one of these that have stepped out that this might be a breakthrough moment for them. That might, this might be the breakthrough moment for the empowering of the Holy Spirit to live in a way, oh God, that releases your vision for their lives, releases the full measure of all that you have. So I pray this morning, Lord, that the foolishness of preaching with the power of the Holy Spirit would break through the hardness of hearts. And Lord, that this would be that moment in time, that day, when we can look back and say, the Lord spoke to me that day, and life has never been the same since. And now, Holy Father, good and kind, thank you for Jesus and the cross and for the sin that he bore in his body. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work in our lives that empowers us and keeps us strong in the suddenlies of life. We thank you this morning. Amen. Go in the grace you've received this morning.